Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Pathway Church. How is everyone? This holiday weekend, I would like to say I am so appreciative of the freedom that we have to come and gather like we do today to worship. I'm so appreciative for this country and the way that it fights for freedom for us. And I'm glad to be a part of Pathway Church. I'm glad to be a part uh, of worshiping today. I would like to say a special thank you to Pastor Travis for this opportunity to share with you. Uh, Do we not have a great pastor and church staff that just leads in a great way? Will you just thank them? I was texting with him this morning, and he definitely wanted me to express how much he loves you. Misses being here today, but he'll be back next week in the pulpit as we continue our series. Now, today, we are continuing week two of our series in the Beatitudes. Uh, last week, we began a journey uh, through the Beatitudes, and which comes from the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Christ begins to tell us what it means to live as a Christian, to be a Christian, to live pleasing. And when we do that, how that the blessings of God will come into our lives. How many of you want to be blessed? Amen. You know, we talk about the blessings. A lot of times we hear that in the context of giving. Uh, but here there are several things that he lines out to us that if we'll do, if we'll have the right attitude, the right posture, then we'll receive the blessings of God in our life. And he says, if we walk in him and obey his commands, that he is going to bless us and lead us into a blessed life. Now, Matthew 5 records the Sermon on the Mount, and in it are the Beatitudes. And Jesus has gathered his disciples along with the crowd that has come to listen to this sermon, uh, to learn and to be taught by the Master about what it means to be a, a Christian or what it means to accept Christ. And can you imagine being there at that Sermon on the Mount? I don't know if you've ever watched The Chosen, but watching The Chosen, one of the most powerful scenes is as he's preparing for this sermon and as he begins to give this discourse of the great things that happen in the people's lives. And so this sermon on the Mount is a collection of truths that are designed to help us to live radically different than the world is, to live according to his word. You know, the culture, the world, doesn't understand the principles of God, doesn't understand the commands of God, and so he reaches out to us and he begins to teach, and we should, as believers, know the Beatitudes, we should live the Beatitudes. Now, Pastor Adam last week gave you the first Beatitude, Uh, it is blessed is the poor in spirit. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, I encourage you to go take a look at it um, online, Uh, and the first Beatitude talks about blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, blessed are those who come to him empty-handed with nothing to offer because those will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it seems like a paradox. Blessed are the empty-handed because they will be given all this. But he begins to give us the right posture uh, to be coming to him. So the first beatitude says God's attention is drawn toward those who have nothing to offer. I have nothing to offer him. I have nothing that I bring, but I come empty-handed and say, Lord, here I am. Use me and speak to me. Let me be a vessel of you. Let me live according to your commandments. And then we see where God says, if you come 
empty-handed in that posture, you'll receive grace and mercy, eternal life, something that we cannot attain ourselves, but he gives us. Now, let's imagine the Beatitudes as the rings on a playground. You know, you have a playground, and there, are, there is a vice there that has rings all in a row. Can you imagine a playground with seven rings on it? Uh, in order to complete the course of it, the first step is to get up and grab the first ring, which would be our beatitude, number one, is coming to him empty-handed. And when you get a hold of that and you begin to understand that, you're ready to move on to the second one, which is blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And we're going to dive into that pretty deep today, what that actually means for us. And we get a grasp on that one, then we're ready to go to meekness and gentleness and those different things. So, so the Beatitudes are laid out in a progression for us as a believer. So if you're a new believer in the house today, and you're stepping up, and last week you said, okay, I want to grab that first ring. I give my life to Christ. I'm empty-handed. Today we'll take that journey to the next step in our faith. Now, today we're going to look at Matthew 5 and 4, and the verse says, blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, how can the words like mourning and blessing, and we associate blessing with happiness, be in the same sentence? Blessed means to be happy. It means to have God's favor and blessings in your life. But the word mourn means to grieve, to have grief. So it almost seems like we're to ask the question, well, then am I to pursue guilt? I mean, uh, mourning? Am I to pursue grief? Is that going to make me more blessed than others? I don't, I don't think that's where we're going today. I know that's not where we're going today because we have to look at this word mourning, what it means. Uh, there are several meanings that we're given of the word, and in this particular text, it's used a little differently. Uh, so let's look at the meanings. The three, I want to give you three meanings of mourning today. Uh, if you have your app, you can open up your app, and you can take notes there. You can jot these down. Uh, I think what I'll give you today will be helpful uh, in the days to come and, and in your journey. The first of these mornings is natural mourning. That is the grief that comes when you lose a loved one. That is the grief that we all will face from, in our lifetime. We have already faced it uh, with people that we were close to. When we lose a family member, it's that natural and proper sense to, to, to mourn. It is perfectly natural. And then when we experience grief, we know that uh, Jesus is there to be a comforter. He says that he provides a peace that passes understanding. So in that sense, we're blessed that we have that in our lives. But we know that when we lose a family member or a loved one, then our proper and natural uh, response to that is to grieve. We even read where Jesus wept in the Bible. He experienced grief. He experienced in his life when he lost a good friend, uh, and he, he stood there at the tomb, and he wept. So we see that God does bring comfort. Last weekend, I was away. I had to attend a funeral of an uncle Saturday evening up in Atlanta. And while there was grief, while there was tears, while there was loneliness, there was a sense of celebration because he lived his life in such a way that was pleasing to God did a lot of great things for the kingdom of heaven. And we know that he is uh, receiving the promise of heaven. So in that sense, when we mourn, then we are blessed because we are given a peace that passes understanding. But this is not the mourning that we're speaking of in this passage here. Because in the Beatitudes, Christ says, if you do this, then I will be, give you blessings. So in other words, he says, 
if you come empty-handed, I'm going to bless you. Then he's saying, if you mourn, I will bless you. So that asks the question. None of us would say, I want more grief in my life. I've never experienced anyone that is going through sorrow and bereavement that would say, I want to go as for as much of this grief as I can possibly be. That way I'll be blessed. So he's not talking about the natural grief that we experience in our lifetime. That's our first inclination when we read that uh, without really looking into the word. And if you read it just at face value, you'll say, blessed are those who are going through bereavement. But that's not the case. Now there's a second kind of grief, uh, a mourning, that is very different. Uh, It is different than being the natural that we have, the natural mourning. And this is actually a sinful mourning. Sinful mourning is a languishing over something that God did not give you. Now, let's look at the contrast of these two. In natural grief, there is a mourning over something that God had given you, but that was taken away. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's uh, something else. And so you grieve that in a natural way. But in the sinful mourning, it is a grieving over something that God never intended you to have in the first place. Uh, the best way, I guess, to explain it would be this. We find a story in 1 Kings 21 of King Ahab. Now, King Ahab uh, was given a kingdom. He had a palace. He had wealth. He had all the things that you could imagine could be given to a person, and he was set as a king, even though he was a wicked king, the Bible says. So God gave Ahab all these things. But next to his palace, just outside of the property of his and his domain, there sat a beautiful small vineyard. And that vineyard was owned by a man named Naboth. And King Ahab coveted, he wanted, he mourned over the fact that he did not own that vineyard, even though no doubt as a king he had vineyards all over the countryside. But he wanted that one, the one thing that was not given to him. The one thing that Naboth had, because it was passed down from generation to generation, and it was very sentimental, very valuable, it was his livelihood. But King Ahab decided that he wanted, the Bible says, that he was vexed and sullen. That means he went around grieving that he couldn't have that vineyard. He wanted it so badly. Now, if you are a Dateline fan, this makes good reading for your... uh, uh, Because in this story, we see how that he wanted the vineyard. He gets his wife Jezebel involved. And in it, you see there's murder. There's there's the dogs licking up the blood of Nabor. There's all kinds of things in this passage here uh, that we see. Because Ahab was sinfully mourning something he did not have. And it turned out to be the total opposite of blessing. Because you see the end story with Ahab as you read further in that. So sinful mourning is not what is given to us in the Beatitudes. Obviously, we're not to have that kind of mourning in order to be blessed by God. Which leads me to the third one is where we'll camp out today. The third type of grief is the kind of mourning that Jesus talks about. And it's a great sorrow over our sins against God. It is what we would call a spiritual mourning that Jesus is describing here. Jesus says, blessed are those who have spiritual mourning for they shall be blessed. They shall be touched. Now let's read in 2 Corinthians 7.10. The writer says, The kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. 
There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. This is where I would say the buck stops here. This is where I have to come to terms with some things in my own life before I can progress and before I can have the blessings of God. I have to experience spiritual mourning in my life in order for God to lead me to salvation, to lead me to repentance, to that place I need to be. So spiritual mourning is the, an act and an art that all Christians desperately need to rediscover today. Uh, it's the key to tackling sometimes what we might even call habitual sin. Those sins that we seem to find ourselves doing over and over and over. That pattern, that cycle we get into where we, we sin, we feel badly about it, we regret it, and then we, we, we repent of it, but then we somehow find ourselves slipping right back into that pattern. So when we begin to understand this idea of spiritual mourning, it will help us to go forward in our faith. Uh, we, we see that God's purpose in our life is not to remain stuck in that cycle of saying, I'm sorry, and then repeating the behavior, but he wants us to move from there. He wants to break that cycle. Spiritual mourning breaks the cycle by bringing you to a place where you grieve over your sin, you mourn over your sin, you see the cost of your sin, and that causes you to make a decisive break from it. But I think a lot of times in our society or even in our own thinking, uh, when we haven't got into the Word like we need to, we don't see what sin really does. We don't see the real consequences of it. We don't see what it's doing to others around us until it's many times way too late. So spiritual mourning, true spiritual mourning, will cause us to forsake sin and return to God. And I think that's important for us to realize. For us to be able to go closer to God we need to forsake our sin and then return to him. Isaiah pins these words. Seek the Lord while you may find him. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish every thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God and he will forgive generously. So we see a theme emerging here in the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, that when we become repentant and truly mourning and, and sorry for our sins, that's when God can reach in and touch our lives, and that's when we can start to go forward in our walk with Him. So if you're a follower of Christ, you've got to depart from sin, and you need to grasp the concept here. Let me give you this concept, that belief and repentance go hand in hand. First of all, if you're a believer of Christ, you repent as we believe, and then we believe as we repent. They go together. There's no repentance, true repentance, without believing on him, and there's really no belief in him unless you learn how to repent of your sins and what you've done. I'm afraid that there are many people today that say they are Christian in name. They say they have received God's grace, but they haven't really come to a full repentance unto him. They don't know what it's, it is to mourn over their own sins. They don't know that soul-shaking feeling you get of being truly sorrowful for what you have done. And so they never submit to a life in Christ. Thus, they live at a distance from the blessings that God has promised them. So let me give you six elements of spiritual mourning. Uh, write these down. Take these. I think it's going to be beneficial to you. First, spiritual mourning names particular sins. Now, 
spiritual morning always has a clear, concise focus. It is mourning over our named sins. In other words, specific sins. It's not just expressing your remorse over unworthiness or failure. It's saying, God, I know I did this, I did that. Have you ever been convicted? You did something wrong. You know exactly what you did wrong. Those are the things you take to the Lord. Lord, forgive me of this. You make restitution to the ones you offended. That's what he's talking of here. So in spiritual mourning, it always comes by naming our sin, being up front with God saying, this is what I have done wrong. None of us like to admit the sins we committed. We just don't like to, we don't even like to think about it. We don't want to speak it. We just, we just want to push it in the back of our mind and just act like it's not there. But true repentance can only come when we come face to face with our shortcomings and our sins. Spiritual mourning begins when I see my sins. That's not easy. We're really good about seeing other people's sins, and we can have a list of other people's sins, but when it comes to our sin, we're not so good about that. Our natural instinct is just to justify whatever we do, and we don't see ourselves as others see us, let alone as God sees us. Now, have you ever ridden in a car with a friend, and you get in the car, and you notice there's dust on the dash, uh, the cup holder has coffee stains or soda stains, there, there's a half of a French fry sticking in the dash, and you think to yourself, I didn't know they were that messy. I didn't know that they were that kind of messy person. And you look at it, but then you go get in your car, and you don't notice the French fry in your car or the coffee stains because you've kind of gotten used to it. That's your vehicle. You get into it. That's, that's how it is with sin a lot of times. We'll look at others and we'll see theirs, but we don't really look at ourselves to say, God, what is it in my life that I need to learn about? Now, let's talk about how we discover those named sins, those specific sins. This Bible is, is, is cherished to me. My dad gave it to me. It's, it's got his name on it. And what's in this word has been true for thousands of years. It is the truth. It did not, I do not have a different Bible than my dad had. Uh, it is the same one, the same truth. And it is this word, when you begin to open it, it begins to reveal to you your own shortcomings, your own sin. It's a way that you can begin to discover what it is in your life that you need to ask God to forgive you. So spiritual mourning begins with the Word of God. It begins with opening up this book, and we can see the sin in our lives, and we can mourn over our transgressions. We begin to see the specific things that he did. Now, in the Word of God, we find it to help us to find specific sins that this is wrong. Uh, also, it helps expose hidden sin in our lives. Uh, it helps us to look at maybe some of the promises that we're not receiving because sin in our lives. Or maybe there's some commands that he gives us that we're not following. Or maybe there's even warnings that we read that we're not heeding. And we're just ignoring those warnings saying, I, I don't think that applies to me. Let me give you an example of how that this word can point out specific sins to you. 1 Corinthians 13, we know it as the love chapter. Uh, you hear it a lot of times at weddings. Uh, there is a couple verses there that says, Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude. Well, in these two verses, we see immediately six specific sins here that are listed here. Impatience, unkindness, envy, boasting, pride, and rudeness. So when we begin to read the Bible, 
and we begin to really meditate on it, God will begin to show you in his word some of those sins. These are specific sins that are listed there. All our sin is not listed specifically. But I can tell you what, when you begin to read that, God will begin to bring those things up in your life and in your mind. But we're facing a culture that doesn't even know what sin is. They don't understand, and that's why we as a church preach God's word. We preach all the word. And our culture and our world ignores sin. It redefines sin, and it discounts the consequences of sin. So for us to begin to realize what sin is, what sin is in our heart, in our lives, we need to be in God's Word. Let Him point and show us. Amen? Amen. Secondly, spiritual mourning involves heartfelt sorrow. Spiritual mourning will make your heart hurt. It's a sorrow that arises out of humility. But then that humility is met with hope and then it causes you to be able to forsake your sins and lead them at the cross. King Saul was a king of Israel. He had been victorious in a battle. He had won a battle and he was told not to take anything from the, the, the area that he defeated. He was not to plunder. But he and his men plundered and took everything they wanted. He cheated, he deceived, he stole, and he lied to cover it up. He did wrong. He knew he did wrong. And it wasn't until he was found out and his sin was exposed that he wrote these words, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. And at first sight, we appear that King Saul is repentant. But then if you read a little further and you go down to verse 30, out of Samuel 15 he says I have sinned yet and he's talking to Samuel honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God so in other words he's saying I'm sorry Lord but hey Saul will you go ahead and honor me anyway like nothing's happened what's happened is Saul seemed to be repented but he was more concerned about damage control, his reputation, than he was about repenting before the Lord. He did not have a heartfelt repentance and sorrow and mourn before the Lord. Without heartfelt sorrow, you'll continue that cycle of saying, I'm sorry, only to keep sinning, and that cycle is spinning out of control. Whenever we have a true spiritual mourning. So the word mourning, you know what the word mourning, it just means to agonize and to, to grieve. So when we feel that way about our sin, that's what can lead us into repentance. Blessed are those who are empty-handed, who have nothing. Blessed are those who feel so hurt when they sin because of such is the kingdom of God and God begins to work in your lives. So without that heartfelt sorrow, you'll just continue that cycle. Now, thirdly, Spiritual mourning arises out of humility. There's a theme in, this, in the Beatitudes, and that is how we posture ourselves to God, and that is in humility and, and submitting unto Him. One of the major challenges in spiritual mourning is the difficulty we have in grieving over our sin. It is the difficulty we have uh, just begin to, to express how sorry we are. Because what happens is, Sin comes in shiny packages. Sin has its pleasure. It has its laughter. 
most of the time it is so habit forming that it is hard to break out of that cycle of sin. No one plans to become an alcoholic and then do uh, terrible things that are family and destroy families. No one plans to become addicted to harmful vices and, and substances. Uh, no one plans to get caught up in a life of gossip just because they thought they had a little tidbit they'd share. Sin can be impulsive and compulsive. So we tell, sorry, we tell God we're sorry. We have remorse, but repentance goes further than that. Spiritual mourning seems sometimes to be beyond our reach because that thing that we're trying to break free from has some degree of pleasure that keeps drawing us back. It keeps saying, I'll be here. And what happens is we, we say we're sorry, uh, and then we get back into that same habitual sin or whatever, or even sin, and then we, we commit that sin, and then we have regret. Man, I can't believe I did that. We go back to God and say, I'm sorry, God. But until we actually grieve over it and find out the root of it and, and what we can do, how we can deal with it, we'll never go forward. Now, let's get to the good news about spiritual mourning. I've kind of given you this stuff to say, oh, man, you're making me feel bad today, Pastor, you know, because I know there are some things in my life I really need to forget. Now, let me give you the good things about spiritual mourning, okay? Number four, spiritual mourning is infused with hope. Hope, that's what we need. Uh, hope will get you through your darkest days. Hope will get you past your sin. Hope will allow you to look at your own foolishness and your failures. And hope pushes you to the point where you say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. And it's that hope of knowing that God forgives you that will push you on forward past that. For you see, if we only had spiritual mourning with no hope, then all of us here would, would be in a terrible state be a state of depression and just how woe is me. But here's the thing. God says, I understand. I recognize that you have struggles. I recognize there is sin out there in the world. I recognize there is an adversary that goes to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And I'm going to love you through that. I have enough grace and enough mercy that I will forgive you in whatever situation you're in. But until we can have that spiritual morning, then we can't experience that. Paul says this in 1 Timothy 1, this is a trustworthy saying. He said, listen, this is important, and everyone should accept it. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. This is Paul talking, Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, Paul who I consider the, one of the greatest men of faith. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Have you ever felt like, man, God has a lot of patience with me? Oh, yeah. You know, Paul is saying, this is how I feel. He said, God is using me, and he is having patience with me as I work through my issues. Then he says, others will realize, too, that they can believe in him and have eternal life. That is a message of hope. There is hope for you. There is hope for me in our lives, no matter what happens on the outside. Whatever comes against us, there is hope. Another great thing about spiritual mourning, it happens at the cross. Naming and confessing our sins will lead us into spiritual mourning, but knowing the love of Christ will take us further. Knowing how much he loved us, knowing what he did on the cross for us, that will take us further into our journey of repentance. Now at the cross, you will see how much you're loved. 
At the cross, you will see uh, the convicting power. At the cross is where you begin to experience the true love of Christ, that he would take someone who has nothing to offer, someone who has sin in their life like we all do, someone that has, uh, comes to him and humbly submits to him, and he says, I'm going to make you a child of mine. You're an heir of mine. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to set your feet on the right path. And so we get one glimpse of the love of Christ can do more to strengthen your battle against sin than any number of of commitments and disciplines. Once you realize how much God loves you, he loves you, individually you. We think in terms of God loves everybody. No, God loves you. Every one of you sitting here today, those of you watching online today, God loves you in so much that he sent Jesus Christ uh, to come and to die for our sins. So our sins have been forgiven if we accept that. And God says, if you will uh, put your faith and trust in me, then I will lead you into right relationship. So we look at sin in the light of the cross, and we ask him with our heartfelt sorrow over the sin that we're mourning, and it enables us to forsake it. I don't want to just get in a cycle where I'm saying I'm sorry and then going right back and doing the same thing. I want to break that. And here is how we do that. And last, spiritual mourning will lead you to forsake sins. If you are truly sorrowful for your sins, then you will forsake them. Now, I'm just going to repeat a phrase that Pastor always says. He's not here today, and it's a challenge. Pathway Church, stop sinning. Pathway Church, forsake those sins. Spiritual mourning leads you to that. When you're truly sorry for what you've done, you'll forsake that. Spiritual mourning is the key to breaking sin's compulsive power in our life. And is why we can say, blessed are they that mourn. Take time for spiritual mourning in your life. Go before God. Ask God to show you, reveal to you, Lord, what, are, what is something that I have sinned against you that, that I'm, I'm blinded to? I don't even realize it. it it's sin, and, I, and somehow, for some reason, I just don't even see it as that way. Help me to understand it and see it that way. So we have to overcome that. Now, let me explain it this way, maybe. When you wrong your spouse or a child that you love very dearly, it brings pain. It brings pain in their life. You, know, you hurt their feelings. And the reason it brings pain is because there is a, a good relationship there. There is a bond there. Now, if there were not relationship, whatever you did, you would say, oh, you know, I, 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 I'm not worried about it. But if I do something that hurts my wife, I feel sorry for it. I have a, a grieving about it, you know. Now, mixed in that is a little bit of stubbornness. But once I really come to my senses and realize what I have done or what I've said, that I really feel sorry because I love her so much. So it poses the question here, and stand with me as we talk about this lastly. It poses the question, if we can't mourn spiritually over our sin or what we've done wrong, is it that our relationship may not be what it needs to be? Do we love God enough to hurt when we do Him wrong? Do we accept his love enough that when we do wrong, it hurts us? I worry 
in the church then there's not enough spiritual mourning over what we do oh everybody's doing that or you know that's 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 in the Bible that's in the Old Testament or that doesn't apply today or the culture says it's okay no this is what is okay this is truth and until we know truth we can't know sin if we don't get in God's word and it's my prayer for all of us that we will have right relationship with him so that we can be blessed we can mourn which is perfectly okay when we sin not if we sin when we sin God help us immediately to we used to have an old word when I grew up it's called conviction God convict me of my sin and the only way God can convict me of my sin is if I have relationship with him if I have relationship with the word because in myself I'll get in my car and it doesn't look dirty because I'm used to it sometimes we just need to get in somebody else's car maybe it helps us recognize ours sometimes maybe we need to get the spiritual flashlight out to shine it in the deep recesses of our soul where nobody else can see and say God expose it to me I'm not calling for a confession today out loud for everybody because we all, we all have things we're working on but what I am doing is I'm calling for a good spiritual morning in your heart I'm calling for each of us to look inside and say, God, what is it there that I need to be forgiven of? What is it that I've done that grieves you? Because what grieves you should grieve me. God, I welcome that grief if it draws me closer to you. I come empty-handed. I have nothing but my own unrighteousness which causes me to sin. But God, help me to Be sorry for those sins. And what does he say? Blessed are those who mourn. For you shall be comforted. Which means you shall be blessed. Which means he will accept you and forgive you. Now, if you would, bow your heads with me right now all over the place. How many of you say, Pastor Andrew, I, I hear what you're saying. You hit home to me. And... I just want to say that I don't have the relationship with Christ today that you're talking about. Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Amen. 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 Lord, today, you see the hands that are raised. And I pray, Lord, that we repent before you. God, forgive us of our sin. God, forgive me of my sin. God, forgive me of my specific sin. These things that I know in my heart that I need forgiveness for, God, I come to you today grieving and hurting because of those things. I know, Lord, that you accept it. You, 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 you infuse hope in my repentance so that I can see where I need to be in my journey with you. I thank you for those who raise their hand today. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. And Lord, for all of us, all of us here today, I pray that your Holy Spirit 
would help us through this series of messages to grow closer and closer to you, to experience you in the fullness that you intend. I want to be blessed. I want to live in blessing. I want you to work and reign and rule in my life. But until I come empty-handed and until I repent and grieve for the wrongs I've done to you, I can't go any further. I pray, Lord, that on this second step, this second ring, Lord, let me grasp that so that I can begin to move closer and closer to the fullness that you have for me. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We just thank the Lord for his goodness today. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.